Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Bobby Podcast. My name is Bobby Kazmaier, and for the last year and a half, I've been creating content on TikTok and through this podcast, navigating my experiences in ED recovery, what I've learned in recovery, um, how I've been able to overcome certain struggles with EDs and recovery, going through all my experiences, sharing them with you guys because I've found a true passion for helping and inspiring others going through similar struggles I was going through with food Um, and now using my experiences and learning from them to share that knowledge with others. And I want to reiterate the fact with this podcast, I am simply sharing my own experiences. I am not a licensed nutritionist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not an eating disorder recovery coach. I'm not certified, not licensed in anything. I'm simply sharing my own experiences through eating disorder recovery. Um, Through this last year and a half, I've been able to grow a following of over 200,000 people on TikTok, which to this day still blows my mind. Um, But like I said, I've been able to use my platform on TikTok to Um, help others, make others feel less alone um, if they're struggling with food or body image or anything along those lines. And it's truly been amazing. Um, And I love this podcast, especially because I love the fact that I'm able to express what I want to say in a longer form of content. Because there's only so much you can fit into a TikTok or an Instagram reel. Um, Being able to just sit with a microphone and just really be authentic for 30 minutes to an hour is amazing. Uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's truly great. It's awesome that I'm even able to do this. Um, so that being said, I really hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for listening. Today's guest on the Bobby podcast is none other than Colleen Christensen. She is one of the most enthusiastic content creators in the field of nutrition and eating. I have seen, I've come across her content is amazing. She's also a registered intuitive eating dietitian with a primary focus on intuitive eating and helping your clients, thousands of clients she's worked with, worked with over the years, um, getting into intuitive eating and her best, you know, using her best tactics and uh, tips and tricks to get into intuitive eating because intuitive eating is a really exciting thing. And I think that's the place we all want to get to at some point. Um, so we talked a lot about in this episode, intuitive eating. Um, she also was a you know, she also places a huge emphasis on food rules. Um, we talked a lot about food rules. Uh, one of her, you know, main staples is not having any food rules because why should there be any food rules? Um, so we talked a lot about food rules and, you know, the kind of food rules we see all the time in society and how we can shake those rules and, um, get them out of our lives and out of our system, um, for good. So, yeah, I mean, she was a pleasure. Um, we had a great conversation. I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, you listening to this episode, um, Colleen was great. Um, go check out our content. Everything is uh, linked in the description. And yeah, enjoy the episode. 
Okay, so we have Colleen here. Colleen, thank you so much for coming out to the show. How, how are you doing today? I am doing just fabulous. I probably had a little more coffee than I should have today. So this is going to be a, a good conversation. Got lots of energy going on over here. It's it. Yeah, I just had 300 milligrams of caffeine like an hour ago. So <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect kind of vibe. It's one um, of those days. It's so rainy and dreary here. And I swear I drink like the coffee, mostly just like for comfort and the warmth. It's just It's just the pick me up you need sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> How do you drink your coffee? I like it. it dep- honestly, it depends on the time of day. In the morning, I like it just black. I swear it wakes me up. In the afternoon, I like it with a little bit like a splash of milk, a splash of like a flavored syrup or something can be good. Um, I can't do black coffee in the afternoon. My stomach just doesn't. So it depends, it's weird. Depends on the time of day. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So, sounds good to me, though. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I, I, I really appreciate your content. It's so informative and just it's it's enjoyable to watch. It's just like I constantly just scrolling through your content all the time. I just find myself just and you always pop up at the right time, too. So um, it's great. But um, the first question I like to ask all my guests just to kind of like get, get the flow going a little bit, is just what is your favorite food of all time? Oh, I've got to say peanut butter. It's a tough call between peanut butter and ice cream. Mm. Um, but uh, peanut butter is just always so good. I swear every time I open a jar, I'm like, whoever decided to just like grind up peanuts and make butter out of it, like you're a genius. Like it is this most simple thing, but it is absolutely delicious. And then I guess, so maybe like an ice cream, cream with peanut butter in it might be it. Um, but if I had to pick between the two, it'd probably be peanut butter. It just never lets me down, you know? I, I t- that's my favorite food as well. I can't, you know, I can't <laughs> argue with that. Do you have a favorite kind of brand of peanut butter? Like one you always go to? You know, I... I usually get like the big Costco jars because we go through a lot of peanut butter. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just like Kirkland brand. I don't like a salty peanut butter. I know people like swear by the Trader Joe's peanut butter. Um, I do typically like a natural peanut butter just because I like when it's drippy. Um, I just find that like texture so satisfying. But yeah, I'm not a fan of a salty, a salty peanut butter. Last question on peanut butter. Are you smooth or chunky? I, okay, again, it depends. I feel like (laughs) I have a lot of caveats with my eating. So if it, if I'm eating it like plain or on something, I like it smooth. But if I'm eating it just like from the jar, Jif extra crunchy peanut butter is like, especially the stuff with a little sugar in it. It's just like Mm -hmm. the sweetness, like that. Oh, there's nothing nothing better than a giant Insane. jar of extra crunchy Jif. Oh, I 100% agree. Crunchy <laughs> peanut butter all the way. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, so your content, or actually, for those who just might not know who you are, just describe us a little bit of just about what you do and how you got to where you are right now. Yes, well, you all know I love peanut butter by now, and yeah. now I take my... <laughs> coffee. So we're getting right into things. (laughs) I am Colleen Christensen. I am a registered dietitian and I am the face behind the Instagram account, TikTok account, no food rules. And I am an intuitive eating dietitian. So I help people break free from diet culture and stop dieting and find food freedom and become an intuitive eater. So that's the message that I teach and preach. It all stemmed from my 
own issues with food. It's funny, as we're talking about peanut butter, that was one of my biggest food rules. And one of my biggest, when I was trying to become an intuitive eater, one of the biggest foods that I binged on. So I feel like it's kind of like a full circle thing to say, I love those foods. I feel confident eating them. I don't worry about it. And that's my goal is to get everyone to a place where they feel just at ease with eating, where it's easy and you can eat in a way that feels good, both mentally and physically. I firmly, firmly believe that. And my goal with the content that I share and the work that I do with clients is to really help dispel a lot of the myths that are out there about intuitive eating and not dieting, that it's just always eat all the cookies and always eat all the donuts. And you have permission to do that, but you also have permission to eat in a way that fuels your body in a way that feels good and honors your health. And I really hate the word balance and the word moderation because I think it's just like so overtaken by diet culture. But that's really what I strive for is to help people make eating easy again and find that balance between that mental side of things and that physical side of things. And I always say that my goal is to help you live a long, joy-filled life. So what that means to me is that, yes, I want to help you be able to eat the cupcakes and eat the donut. And those are great. Don't get me wrong. But... What I'm really here for is to help you be able to fuel the rest of your life, to take care of the body that you do have so that you can make more memories of going on those ice cream runs and eating those cupcakes. And that's what I'm here about, to help you create as many memories in this life as possible and not be so bogged down by food and your body and having that stress overeating, which also isn't going to benefit our health. So that's kind of how I tie it all together is I just want to help people live long, joy-filled lives. Feel the rest of your life. I love that. That's an amazing quote right there. That's awesome. And I, I think your content specifically just like around food rules is so necessary because I think a lot of us, myself included, like we create all these food rules in our head without even like realizing it or recognizing it. So like, you know, if I'm scrolling and I watch one of your videos, I'm like, oh shit, like I used to do that or I still might find myself doing that. But it's just so subconscious. You like you don't even realize it. So like, I think your content is just so necessary because there's just so many food rules out there that we either create from our create for ourselves or we see in media outlets, wherever. And it's just like, it's all over the place. So it's yeah. very needed. I'm so glad to hear that because I I get this all the time and I think that's an important thing to think about too is if you are on this journey and you're working to break your food rules set the expectation that you don't understand all the food rules that you have. They're so deep rooted and it's going to take a while for some of them to come to light because they've just become so second nature to us. And I usually hear people say like how like I, I didn't even realize I had that food rule or I watched that video and it was like, you are in my head because I've been there about seeing that stuff and being like, oh my gosh, like I do that too. I didn't even think twice about it and I never want to, you know, call anyone out or anything, but we don't, we can't fix what we don't realize is a food rule for us. Right. So that makes me glad to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just curious, what, what food rules did you used to follow the most? back in the back in the day if you can think of any oh my gosh I feel like 
everything under the sun. I, it started off for me being a very big calorie counter. Um, and then everything kind of spiraled from there. I specifically remember it. My issues with food really started when I went to college. And for me, it was a very big control mechanism. So I leaned into calorie counting and it almost became like a game to me. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, Oh, no. Okay. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of like Myers-Briggs and like personality types. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's super interesting and it kind of just tells you a little bit about your personality. So I am a very competitive person and I, that's what it was really like for me. It was kind of this like competition that I had with myself of, and it just, it spirals. It was just like, oh, I can restrict more. And when all the, what all the other aspects of my life felt out of control, going to college and, you know, everything was different and everything was a lot harder and I was on my own, it became this source of control. So that's how it started for me. And then it kind of spiraled from there um, to thinking, okay, well, we're thinking about calories and we think about peanut butter and then we think about, you know, all this other stuff. Um, so I think for me, calorie counting was a big one. And then peanut butter, anything with fat in it, it always also stems from any other 90s babies out there. We grew up in the 90s when the fat was so demonized. So that was like ingrained. Um, but those are some of, my, some of my biggest ones. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting just like, you know, cause obviously with control, like you want to have, you know, in your head, you think you have all this control over food, but you know, the more you think you're controlling your food, the more the, the food's actually controlling you. And like you said, it kind of spirals and it just takes over your life and it's all you can think about. And it's just, mm-hmm. can't think of anything else. And it's interesting that you said like the, the, the uh, dietary fat is like one of the ones rules you used to follow for me it was like added sugar like anything with like added sugar like was just a big no-no and like like I would just refuse to touch it and then eventually you end up binging on it because you're restricting it for so long and it's just yeah it's it's a horrible cycle mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh, th- thank you for sharing that that's that's yeah. really insightful um and just you know going on the going on with the topic of food rules what food rules do you see the most in like everyday society like that whether if they're new, if they've been around for a while, like, like, I'm just curious, which ones do you see the most? I think one of the biggest ones that people don't realize is a food rule is seeing food as good or bad or healthy or unhealthy. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't have food rules, or I'm just trying to eat healthy. Well, categorizing food as healthy or unhealthy is a food rule in itself, regardless of if you allow yourself to eat it or not. That's another thing I hear a lot is, oh my gosh, Colleen, I don't have food rules. I let myself eat all of the donuts all the time. I have no food rules around them. I'm being so bad. And I'm like, oh, there it is. There's a food rule. You called it bad. And that's what I call the food morality rule where you, it's not a physical restriction. It's more of a mindset about the food. And I think that's something that with the society that we have, it's so deeply ingrained. I mean, I was just, I just did a reel on this on Instagram. Um, at the grocery store, I decided to just see all of the diet culture marketing and kind of document it that I saw. And it was just everywhere. So I think that that also takes the person to consciously undo all of that subconscious learning from literally seeing things labeled as healthy or guilt-free. And if you're listening right now and you're like, okay, Colleen, but like, why is that bad? 
it creates this mindset that will actually set you up to eat those foods, typically in a binge-like style. So if someone is saying, let's go with the donuts, I don't have a food rule around donuts. I let myself eat them and all I eat is donuts. Well, if you think that they are bad or unhealthy or that you shouldn't have them, that is going to increase your brain's uh, motivation and reward response for that food. And this has been shown in a lot of different studies. There's one that they did about milkshakes where everything was the same and they had two different groups and one of them were dieters and they saw it as bad. They thought they were, you know, eating quote unquote too much. They were breaking their diet rules. They thought it was bad. They ate more of the milkshake than those who weren't dieting. And that was just off of the mindset of it. So that is going to essentially make you eat those foods in typically not an intuitive style, a way that typically doesn't feel good. It's kind of like telling a kid not to press the big red button, like, oh, you probably shouldn't press that, honey. But the kid's just going to want to press the big red button. Basically, we are all just big old five-year-olds when it comes to food and how we view it as healthy and unhealthy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember like, in, you know, back in when I was in like middle and high school, we'd watch like videos in like science class of like, or psychology class of like, a, like an adult, like leaving a child in a room with like a cupcake or a donut and like, don't eat this, like, don't eat this until I come yeah. back. And they, like, they, they just zoom in and watch them and they eventually they cave and eat it. So it's like the same mindset right there. Um, yeah. And I think another one I see the most too is having to like, quote unquote, earn your food, like through uh, exercise. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like I, I've been, I've been good today. Like I, I worked out so I can have this donut or I can have the slice of cake or whatever it may be. Or it's like, if they eat too much, oh, like I'm not going to eat for weeks, you know, even if they're like jokingly saying it, it still like comes out. It's like a derogatory, like, you know, food mm-hmm. rules term. So yeah, you see it all around. You see it. It's, it's hard to escape and hard to avoid. So. You do. And it's, you don't need to earn your food. And I feel like that's also another one that's so normalize like i mean when you have go out to dinner with someone or anything like how often you hear just like the comment of oh i'm gonna have to burn that off tomorrow or anything like that it's just so normalized and when we do that we're just going to slip ourselves into the restrict binge cycle or the fact that if you have that mindset of okay well i worked out so now the donuts that are there i can you know allow myself to eat one maybe you don't even want a donut maybe you are literally just like conditioning yourself to okay if i do this then i get to have that rather just say okay i at all times have permission to eat the donut do i want to do i not ah this is like getting me so fired up because food is so much more psychological than people think it is. They think it's just, we eat it. We don't what we physically do with the food, but mindset is, oh, it's everything when it comes to food. Oh, hundred percent. Like I remember uh, like the first time I like had a jar of peanut butter in my apartment, in my house. And I just like forgot about it. And I just like, mm-hmm. didn't think about it all day. I'm like, holy shit. Like I didn't think about this once today. Cause I understand now that like, it's always going to be there. It'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there now. If I want it. Um, it's not, you know, good or bad food for me. It's just always, it's just there. It just exists. Yeah. Um, and it's there whenever I need it. So it's just, it, it's such a huge psychological game. It's, it's, it's insane. literally the best thing. <laughs> it sounds so weird, but when people tell me like, oh, I forgot about the Oreos or I forgot about this. And it's not that like, oh, yay, you didn't eat the Oreos. It's that they didn't have the power over you. Like you had brain space to think about something else. Like for me, that's what the win is like. It, ugh, I love hearing that. 
Oh, hundred percent. Like you don't really realize like, you know, how many other things you can think about throughout your day oh. when food's not there, when food is just food. Like it's, it's insane. Like how many different things your mind can think about throughout the day. Oh my gosh. You know? I always tell people, I'm like, you better get some hobbies because when you find food freedom, like your brain space, you're going to have so much of it. Oh, it, it, it's, it's insane. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so going to the topic of intuitive eating, that's also where you specialize and, you know, intuitive eating, you know, in the past couple of years has become more of a hot topic and a lot of people have different opinions on it. And I was just wondering, you know, tell me a little bit about some of the intuitive eating myths you see across oh, social oh media gosh. or wherever it may be. Where do I even begin to start? <laughs> I feel like one of the biggest myths is that it's just eating all the things or it's just letting go of food guilt. Yes, that's part of it. But I want, I always say intuitive eating should feel good. And I feel like I hear this, I, I couldn't even tell you how many times a day. Colleen, I'm eating intuitively and I feel like poop. It's like, okay, well, let's think about this. My first question is, are you actually eating intuitively or are you just breaking all of your food rules? Because those are two different things. Intuitive eating, so there's this concept called the triangle of awareness. And essentially it's that there are these three areas that go into us making a food choice. We have our thoughts, we have our emotions, and we also have our cravings, our desires. So there's those three aspects that go into making a food choice. So the thoughts, that means the information that we have in our brain, the nutrition knowledge, what you know is going to make your body feel good and not feel good. We have our emotions, how different foods make you feel, the nostalgia behind them. And then we also have, yes, cravings, desires, those instincts of what, okay, that sounds good. A lot of people think intuitive eating is just that instinct. So if I think I made a pumpkin roll, do you know like pumpkin rolls with like yeah, the yeah. icing in the middle? Oh, oh I made one uh, for the first time. It was a little scary because like, I thought I was going to break it. Like you're ro literally rolling oh, up a right. cake, uh, yeah. but it, it turned out good. But that's in my uh, fridge right now. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like, oh yeah, that's delicious. That sounds good. A lot of people think that's intuitive eating. Ooh, sounds good. I eat it. But intuitive eating is actually, we're going to build on that. So, okay, cool. That pumpkin rolls in my fridge right now. That sounds really good. You know, what? I just had lunch not too long ago. Physically, like I'm pretty full and satisfied right now. Emotionally, I know that maybe this afternoon it's going to be a little bit stressful. So maybe um, just keeping that in mind, I might have a desire for some comfort. Okay, what would feel good? Eating the cake probably wouldn't feel super great. I might get a stomach ache. I might not want to work because I might have a sugar crash and want to, you know, just lay on the couch and looking at my dog who is all in the blankets right now and it looks very cozy. Um, <laughs> So you know what? Pumpkin roll, maybe later. That's intuitive eating, all of that. And I, I don't say that so someone listening is like, oh my gosh, that sounds so complicated. There's so many pieces to it. But just to show you that there's so much more to it than just, ooh, sounds good, I eat it. We do take into account what feels good, nutrition information, someone who, you know, maybe let's say someone has diabetes and they need to watch, you know, when and how they have their sugar, that might play a role in if, when, and how they might eat that pumpkin roll. So 
I think the bit, like I said, kind of taking it back to the the question you asked is that people think it's just this one thing that like, okay, I'm going to eat what I crave and that's it. It's just one part of the whole puzzle. And there's so much more to that. And then kind of going off of that, the health part of it, I am a registered dietitian. I nerd out about gentle nutrition and One thing that I hear a lot is that people really appreciate the fact that I do talk about gentle nutrition with intuitive eating, and it can be a touchy subject because on one hand you have, okay, I I want people to feel like it's okay for them to eat a bowl of fruity pebbles or a bowl of lucky charms or something like that and not worry about it. But I also want to empower people to say, you know what, if I want to have some berries or I want to have a kale salad, cause I know that's going to have a bunch of nutrients for my body. I want people to feel empowered in that too. And it's about for lack of a better word, I know I already said, I didn't love this word, but it's about that balance between the two. Awesome. And for the listeners who may not know, can you just quickly describe what gentle nutrition is? Ah, yes. I love gentle nutrition. So essentially it is a non-diety, non-obsessive way about thinking of nutrition and gentle nutrition and honoring your health is one of the 10 principles of intuitive eating. So it's about bringing nutrition information back into the equation, but you're in the driver's seat. So it is based off of what feels good to you, what you want to do, and you are the driver of what you decide to implement, what you don't implement, and understanding if implementing it would take away from your satisfaction or enjoyment. In that case, probably wouldn't use gentle nutrition. It's a very flexible approach to nutrition that leaves room for those more soul-nourishing things, as I call them. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love gentle nutrition. It's such a diverse and just versatile way to just go about eating. And I love it. Um, thank you for sharing those myths. And another one I see too, intuitive eating is a lot of people just assume it's like an excuse to eat whatever you want when you want, mm-hmm. but it's just not even, it's, it's not even close to being like that. It's just more about, you know, being mindful and being in tune with your like emotions and obviously, you know, listening to your hunger and fullness cues as well. And building off of that question I have for you is if there was someone, an individual who, you know, has experienced years of disordered eating habits, disordered eating mindsets, and they can't recognize your hunger and fullness cues, how would they go about intuitive eating? Oh, I love this question. So I am a big fan of having structure and a stepwise process in intuitive eating. I think that's another myth is that people feel like, okay, so I'm just going to start this. Another thing people be like, okay, Kelly, and I've been eating intuitively for like a week now. I haven't been following my food rules. Okay. Well, in the process of becoming an intuitive eater, there are actual steps that I would recommend taking. And one of the first ones that I take my clients through through is getting their hunger and fullness cues back and understanding hunger, fullness, and satisfaction. So if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't have hunger cues, or I don't know how to listen to them, or also very common is I have two hunger cues. I have ravenous and I have stuffed. Know that that is absolutely normal and we're going to build on that. So what I have my clients do is actually a little bit of, this is where like like I said, having structure is super important. So we want to make sure that we can essentially 
refuel our bodies after dieting. So something that I do is something called biological reconditioning. Sounds like a big word, but basically it is refueling your body after dieting, getting your body back to a place where it is fueled, where you're not restricting specifically the three macronutrients, carbs, fat, and protein, so that it then can give you adequate hunger cues. Because we, I always say it's kind of like if you are, let's say, texting a friend. So I have this friend, we're texting, our friendship is great, but then all of a sudden I stop texting her. She is probably going to kind of shut down. She probably won't, you know, engage in a conversation with me. That essentially is what happens to our bodies and our hunger cues. So when we have our food rules and we stop, you know, listening to our hunger cues, they're going to kind of go away. They're going to kind of ghost us. And in order to get that relationship back with either your friend or with your hunger cues, you have to give them a little bit of TLC so that they can be like, oh, okay, I trust them again. I can converse with them. I can give them hunger cues in our body sense. So with that, it is making sure that you're you're giving your body enough energy consistently throughout the day. You're getting all three macronutrients and you're not, you know, going on the low carb craze from there is when, okay, your hunger cues kind of start to wake up a little bit. And then that after that is where you can start to kind of hone in on them and follow them. So essentially I don't recommend a lot of people just follow their hunger cues at first because a lot of us don't have hunger cues after years of not listening to them. So we have to do a little bit of work to actually get them back. Oh, that is such a good analogy. The, the texting analogy that I, I didn't even think about that. That's... I'm a big analogy, Gail. Yeah. I swear. I, I'm just a very like visual person. And my goal is to always just kind of, I'm not, yes, I'm a registered dietitian, but I'm, I'm not a very, you'll, you guys can know by now listening to me. I'm a very casual Gail. I'm going to explain things in layman's terms as much as possible. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. That's, that's great for me. Um, so another question I have for you is, are, are you familiar with Haze? Yes. Health at every size. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? I know, I know it kind of lines in with intuitive eating. So I was mm -hmm. curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yes, I think that's another concept that a lot of the media, social media specifically, just does not understand. So I absolutely agree. You can be healthy at whatever size is best for your body. And I think that there's a, the biggest misconception I feel with haze is that you can be healthy at any size, but Really, it's you can be healthy at the size that your body wants to be at, and that's going to be different for every single person. A very, very oversimplified way of explaining it is we all have kind of have like a shoe size. We all kind of have a body size similar to there's a poodle as a dog, and there's also a German shepherd, right? Neither of those dogs are bad. They can both be healthy. They're different sizes. They're the size that they're breed their body wants to be same thing with humans so i think that along the lines of how there's a lot of misconceptions about intuitive eating there is a lot of misconceptions about haze oh 100 because i'm learning about it in a bunch of my classes right now so it's just i, I thought i'd bring it up yeah that's amazing i, yeah. I feel like it's so I wish I could just be a fly on the wall in like courses today because intuitive eating was never discussed. Haze was never discussed. So like all of the learning that I've done in the training has been on my own accord. And I feel like 
it's, I'm so happy to hear that, that you're learning about that stuff. Because when we think about something that I deal with my clients a lot is going to doctor's appointments specifically. And the first thing that they are told is, well, if you lose weight, like this will improve. Mm, Not necessarily. Um, One analogy that I have on that is, so let's say the analogy between weight loss and health. So Let's talk. Okay. Summer ice cream sales are going to increase in the summer, right? So are shark attacks. More people are at the beach, right? So, but does that mean ice cream sales cause shark attacks? No, just because two things are correlated doesn't mean that there is causation there. So if someone is saying, oh, well, if you lose weight, then you will be healthier. Not necessarily. What's actually causing that improvement in health, if it's seen, is likely the behavior. So is someone moving their body more? Is someone, you know, consuming more fruits and vegetables, whole grains? Those are the things that's going to make a difference um, in the health, not necessarily the weight. Because if someone has a stomach flu and they lost weight, would you say that they're probably healthier? Probably not. It depends on what's actually actually being done there. So just a little caveat between correlation and causation. And I say that because I deal with my clients a lot that, okay, they go to the doctor, they're told to lose weight. And it is really going to take a long time for specifically the medical community to come up to speed with haze because we've been taught this. I was taught a lot of diet culture in my schooling, and that was not as long ago as much of the healthcare system. So I am just long winded, very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it's crazy. Like the stark differences, because one of my professors, she was saying, you know, cause she was going to school like in, in around the, uh, the early mid nineties. And she was saying like, you know, they would learn about how to like put their clients on keto and low carb diets yeah. and low fat diets. Whereas like now like we're learning about weight bias, haze, intuitive eating, like all this, all this, you know, amazing concepts and terms that, you know, it makes me excited for the future of the field of nutrition because we have all these different areas and aspects that previous generations didn't know much about, were never educated on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited for the future of nutrition because yeah, you know, love yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's great. So I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because it, it is such a huge difference between what was taught you know X amount of years mm-hmm. ago versus now. So um, that's great. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your uh, the society. Uh, If I pronounce that right, I I don't know if I pronounce that right, but I I, I love the play on words there. (laughs) Yes, society. So we're a society that actually eats. It's spelled E-A-T-Y. And this is where I do all of my coaching and I teach a five-step framework, literally, like I said, a structure, a stepwise process. That's what I'm all about with intuitive eating. So that's what we teach there. And when I was going through my intuitive eating journey, this was way before intuitive eating was like this big thing that it was today. I made so many mistakes and I felt super alone during it. So my goal with this community, it's a membership-based community where you can join and learn the five steps, but also get support and community along the way. And I, I really think that one of the reasons it's so hard to leave diet culture is because of those like accountability groups or like people to bond over or you talk about these things that community side of things so i brought that to my coaching and it's a 
diverse community of all shapes, sizes, colors, abilities. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing when you can learn about things and intuitive eating, but also connect and not feel alone. Because also the reality is that a lot of people in our direct life may not get it, or they may not have gone through it. My then boyfriend, now husband, bless his heart, like he could be so supportive, but the reality was like, he didn't understand what it was like to have food rules. And he didn't understand what it was like for me to actually go through that. So I also feel that having a community not only benefits you, but it benefits also the others around you because they don't feel like they have to be the everything or know how to fix it. They understand that you also have these other people to go to. So um, in a nutshell, that's what the society is. It's, if I have to say, the best the best non-diet community out there. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. That, that's really amazing. And I, I, you bring up a great point of like people who don't, exactly know what it can be like if you're struggling with food or have food rules like you know I remember, I remember I used to just like be so shocked when someone would just like leave food on their plate or like not throw or like just would just throw it away and I'm just like are you serious like that's people mm-hmm. do that like it's 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 insane mm-hmm. um yeah so like not I, I've always wanted to like enter a brain of someone who's like never had food rules once just just for like one day just just to see what it was I like. know um <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for one day but um yeah, we I, I think we covered a lot in this this time frame. This was this was a great this was a great session. I I learned a lot about intuitive eating in this last half hour. So well, good. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. I am always open to to chatting about it. I think that my goal is also just to make it as approachable as possible because you see it on social media, you see it on Instagram, and if anyone listening to this is like I. I'm scared to try it. I want you to know that like, I firmly believe that anyone can become an intuitive eater. It's not going to be as easy as social media makes it seem. So if you are also listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, Colleen, I feel like I've tried that. I've let go of my food rules. Just know that it's going to take time and adding a little structure to your journey, adding a little bit of that stepwise process can be huge. Um, And I also don't believe anything is a mistake. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh crap, like I just got rid of all my food rules at once. I don't have any hunger and fullness cues. Don't worry. You didn't do anything wrong. This is as a cliche of a term as it is. It's a quote unquote journey when I say that, but it's true. Everything learning experience, everything is a chance to learn and you absolutely can do this. I know everyone can do it. Yeah, exactly. One day at a time. And it, it, it is, it does sound cliche, but like, it really is a journey and you just yeah. gotta take it one day at a time. So Absolutely. that's awesome. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This was really insightful. I, I really appreciate your knowledge and your uh, appreciation and enthusiasm about intuitive eating and food rules. It's, it's amazing. Yes. Happy to chat anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I'll, I will link all of your social medias in the description um, for those interested. Obviously, please check out our content if you haven't already. She's amazing. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Colleen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bobby Podcast. If you found this episode relatable, if you resonated with it in any way, if it made you feel less alone, that's truly amazing. That's incredible um, because that's the goal of this podcast. I really want to make and help others feel less alone, whatever they're going through, because this, 
this stuff is tough, you know, like ED recovery is tough and I never want anyone to feel alone in this. Cause I know there were times I felt alone. So, um, I never want anyone to feel alone. So if you, um, found this episode enjoyable, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, check out my TikToks. Um, I will leave all those links in the description. I really appreciate you listening. You're all the best. Have a great rest of your day.